Hello and uh, aloha from Maui, Hawaii. It's Michael Benner with the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, our last class of the year 2008. That year sure went by. They always go a little more quickly than the year before. And as we look at uh, the, the coming year, I was thinking about going back to the basics in a lot of different ways, and I'd like to do that uh, in the coming weeks. It's always good to go back to the fundamentals, and one of those fundamentals is conversation and instruction about the most remarkable level of mind ever discovered by, by brain and mind researchers, and that's the alpha brainwave level. That's our topic for today. What is this place that meditators use, that hypnotists use, that is central to sports psychology and stress management and so many other um, other areas and and again how many meditators know anything about suggestion suggestibility and uh, self-hypnosis and, and how many hypnotherapists or practitioners of self-hypnosis understand the difference between what they're doing and what a contemplative would do with their introspection and uh, and uh, reflection uh, upon things that's one of the things that we're really all about uh, at FocusPassion.com and, and the podcast we do out of there, the audio program that we podcast out of there. It's also available streaming, Finding Yourself in Paradise. Alpha is the paradise that we're talking about. And as I uh, mentioned uh, uh, a little while ago, Steve Snyder is with us here today. He's come up country to, to join us. We just did a little a conference call with some of the principals who are helping us to promote our personal empowerment work here. And uh, Steve's going to join me uh, a bit on this call, too, as we talk about the uh, the alpha brainwave level, <clears throat> excuse me, and the incredible uh, focus and, well, passion. We call it focused passion that's available and how we use these states and what is alpha how do you get there? How do you use it? What does it mean? So that's our topic for the day today, the alpha brainwave state and uh, how it's used in meditation, self-hypnosis, and all the accelerated learning fields. Inner peace. This is, uh, we're teaching peace, right? That's what we're going to talk about today. So thanks for being with us, and uh, let's uh, also begin by wishing you the happiest of New Year's. I hope your holidays have gone well, whether you celebrated Christmas or Hanukkah or Ramadan. I think Kwanzaa is upon us now for African Americans and other people of color. And Solstice, of course, is the reason all these holidays are clustered around here. I think Jesus was born in June sometime, but it seemed like a good idea to celebrate it in, in, in midwinter. So, uh, it's a wonderful time of the year. New beginnings. and uh, So let me bring Steve on board, first of all, to talk a little bit about the, the remarkable changes and the upgrades at the FocusPassion.com site. And then we'll segue right into our class for the day today. Uh, again, as we usually do, besides the instruction, we'll also read your questions and comments a little bit later in the hour and we'll do a guided imagery exercise at the end as well. Okay. So, uh, 
Steve, we just had the uh, conference call with our ambassador group, and uh, you and I have been doing a lot of uh, discussion lately about the changes in our site at focuspassion.com. Why don't you talk a little about what's on your mind, what you've been thinking about it, and, 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 and how you're feeling one year into our project. Well, you know, it's, it was an interesting process for me. It was like, okay, I, I moved to Hawaii. I want my pal to be here with me, so I've got two years that I'm going to put to make that thing happen. The first year was to set this thing up. The second year was to make it go. And, and when the first year happened, I had no real vision as to how the make it go part was going to happen. And now uh, I kind of have a whole brand new idea of how this make it go part is working. The, the site has evolved from what we originally thought would be like sell this stuff really inexpensive, you know, like as cheap as possible so that the, everybody could buy it, so that, that everybody could afford it kind of thing. The idea is like, like sure, we want to make some money, but the main thing is we want to get this out to as many people as, as humanly possible, especially the, for me, especially the accelerated learning stuff, the, the family learning hour stuff, the teaching kids how to read better and how to study and how to take tests and how to listen. I mean, school's not teaching them this stuff. I've been trying to talk schools into teaching them this stuff all my life. Well, now I can get it into families to, to teach it to kids. So that and all the other self-management skills that Michael and I have been developing and teaching all these years. So, so now we can afford to get it into the hands of everybody cheap. That was the idea. But, but somebody, some people came to us and said, well, that's you know, just not a great model. It's just not going to work. People don't want to do that. Uh, here, you need to give it away. Uh, but, and yeah, okay, I can give it away, but I can only give it away to so many because it costs a teeny little bit to give away, and eventually I'm going to run out of money, you know. So I had to find a way to have some kind of income so, so that I could give it away to more and more and more. So the idea was, like, don't charge anything and, and have people get, basically get that if they contribute something like a buck a week or more, then they can give it away to everybody they know. And that's the thing. Like, people love to fix other people. And that's how we change the world. And by the way, listen to it yourself and grow and succeed and become fulfilled. But, you know, that's almost the byproduct. Like, become the agent of change by finding your friend Bill who's got dyslexia and giving him this program. Finding your, your friend Mary who has who has this boss who's really mean and giving her the program on dealing with difficult people and find your your uh, nephew who's got uh, attention deficit disorder and give him the program about that. that. See, that way people can feel like they really are agents for change. And for as little as a buck a week, you can give like as many of these away to as many people as you want. And we've got like already a menu of like over 50 of them and they're wonderful programs. So so that's what I'm really excited about. This is a whole new thing. I'm just trying to get my hands around it, grasping like what this is becoming. But it's, it's if you're willing to contribute as little as 99 cents a week, then you can give as many programs to as many people as you want to. And that's that's the, the new vision. That's why we don't call our members subscribers. We call them contributors. Yeah. And it may be a fine point, but it's a critical point. I mean, if, if you don't want to contribute anything, you can still listen to, well, we're going to have like six programs available, six, you know, and, and a whole bunch of articles. I mean, there's a ton of stuff people can get even if they don't want to contribute anything. But we're only asking for like, you know, 99 cents a week, uh, or, or we're asking for, somebody gave us a couple hundred bucks already. Yeah. That's cool. You know, but I mean, even even at the 99 cents a week, that gives us, the kind of money we need to, to be able to deliver this to hundreds and hundreds more. You know, that's what it comes down to. And 
again, this is counterintuitive for me, and I think Steve too, because we've all been raised in a commercial society, and the whole idea is to sell, sell, sell. I mean, I, I came out of years of commercial radio before I went to KPFK, and you're always very cognizant of the fact that your job is to provide information and entertainment to keep your audience there and to grow your audience just until the next set of commercials. And that's what it's all about. You know, it's not like, we'll be right back after this commercial break. It's like the commercials is what it's about. Not this entertainment's just to keep you around until they can throw more commercials at you. We don't want to do that. We, we again, we have some costs here. And we'd like to turn it from red ink into black ink and then begin even to pay the bills that have accrued. But that's not what drives us, what really motivates us and has always motivated us. I mean, if I wanted to be wealthy, I could have chosen a different field, that's for sure. I could have been a right-wing talk show host. <laughs> could have been Rush Limbaugh, but my integrity wouldn't let me do that. I burn still at uh, after all these years of really doing a little else, and Steve's the same way. It's not like uh, somebody said to us once, uh, we were talking to a business consultant, he said, well, what happens if you fail? And there was this long pause, and we didn't know really what to say. And he said, well, again, what if you fail? What if it doesn't work? And Steve and I sort of shrugged and said, well, we'd do it anyway. That's, <laughs> that's all I know. It's all I care about. It's like it doesn't work, meaning it doesn't work or it doesn't make money. And he goes, it doesn't make money. Oh, well, then we do it anyway if yeah. it works. You know, it works. You know, that's the thing. It does work. We know it works. Michael has been making it work for 30 years. I've been making it work for 30 years. Together we've been making it work for 30 We know it works. Will it make money? Well, don't know. Don't know. I'll tell you what, it's made me a hell of a lot of money. But in this model, will it make money? I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. And that's not our mission. So that's why we are focusing on this idea because – we want you to help us by sharing these programs with a friend. We call the gadget Send One to a Friend, but what it really means is for no additional charge at all, you can send as many of these programs to as many of your friends as often as you'd like. There's no limit at all. It's like, yippee, personal development for you, personal development for you, spiritual development, empowerment. Here's the information you're looking for, yippee, and you send as many as you want, as often as you want, again and again. And next week, there'll be another one right. that you can send also, you right. know. To your friends who you think would benefit from them. And, of course, you can also tell them to contribute to ISN so they can send it to all their friends, and that's the way this thing, you know, blossoms and expands. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Now, if you are already a contributor at FocusPassion.com, if you're among those who signed on during the first 12 months from November of 07 until now. The ones we call hardcore. The hardcore, <laughs> yes. We most appreciate you. Uh, you guys have to get a new password, by the way. And if you haven't even seen the new site, you got to go back to FocusToPassion.com. It's totally different. It's completely different. Plus, you got to get a new password now. So... Uh, your username is the email address. Use the email address that you normally use, the, the one that you know you use to sign up for the site. And just assume you forgot your password. You probably have anyway. Uh, 
because the old site, there wasn't much of a reason to keep coming back unless you were listening to the shows streaming from that site. So when you come to the site, FocusedPassion.com, remember the ED, FocusedPassion.com, you'll see right on the top under the banner a link that says Access My Account. And right under that, a link that says Remember Password. Either click on Remember Password or once you go into the site, Access My Account, you'll see another field that says Forgotten Password. Either one of those, Remember My Password or I Forgot My Password. In either case, you're going to get uh, an email that's automatically generated that will come to you immediately that has a brand new password. Then go back and log in with your email address as your username and the new password you were just sent. And this site will open up and you can resubscribe. You don't have to enter your credit card information again. That's all still in there. Your address and everything is in there. But you click on the RSS reader if you're using your browser to listen, or you click on the button right above it that says subscribe to iTunes if you listen that way. Or just listen to it streaming. There's also a player on the same page. It's up to you how you receive it. And also on that same page, a button that says send one to a friend. Use it. That's all I'm saying. Over and over and over again. Use it. As often as you want, send two to a friend. Send three to a friend. Send one to five friends. And uh, they will get an email from us, but it will say your name and your email address so they know it comes from you. There's a little default message that says, here's an inspirational program, but you can add to that. Check it out. You'll see. It's like so straightforward, even a baby boomer can do it. And uh, help us spread the good news. And uh, and thanks for that. Well, let's talk um, about our topic of the day today, which is the alpha brainwave state. It's really uh, this and the program I'd like to do real soon on fear and what fear and anxiety and stress really is. These these are the fundamentals. And this is the antidote to fear. This is feeling safe. This is what to do instead of being afraid, which is to breathe and relax and to to access this incredible level of mind that brain researchers identify based on the frequency of brain waves. Now, there are a number of physiological corollaries that allow us to know whether we're stressed or feeling really safe or somewhere in between. For example, we could take a person's pulse or their blood pressure. We could measure where the blood is in the body, the volume of blood in a fingertip, for example, or the temperature of that fingertip. Because, again, stress is going to tighten muscles and drive blood to the middle of the body. Relaxation would be noticed in warmer fingertips. You ever notice sometimes the end of your nose gets cold when you're, or your toes or fingers get cold when you're stressed? And, and that's a fight-or-flight response. Your, your respiration rate. I mean, what's a lie detector but a polygraph, graphing poly, many, of these indices, these indicators, how stressed are you, how relaxed are you. But supreme above, among all of these indicators is got to be brain waves because it shows us directly the impact upon brain chemistry 
and the neurology of the brain, the electrochemical functioning of the brain, whether it works, how well it works, the way in which it's working, uh, the areas of focus. Is it the middle of the brain, the limbic system that's involved when we are frightened and perhaps in danger? Or is it the neocortex, the outside, the higher brain functions that are activated? We can tell this without CAT scans simply by measuring brain waves. And that's what researchers began to do about 100 years ago. It was early 20th century, 1905, I think, 1906. Hard to believe it goes back that far. The researchers had machines that would measure the frequency, that is the rate of oscillation, of these radio-like waves. That's what they are. They're technically called RF energy, radio frequency energy. It's what comes off a broadcasting radio tower or a television tower that broadcasts is RF frequency. Well, your brain broadcasts a radio wave. It's just that the power is very, very low because it's electrochemical. You ever make a battery out of a potato <laughs> in science class? You can generate electricity with chemicals and uh, not just store it like a battery, but actually radiate it, and that's what the brain is doing. It's broadcasting. But when you tune in, you're not hearing somebody's thoughts. Uh, it would be like listening to a radio station that is broadcasting silence, like a talk show where everybody stopped talking. Your radio is still receiving the signal, but there's nothing on it. So when we tune into brainwaves, we don't hear your thoughts or get any indication of what information is being processed. What we're interested in, what brain researchers want to know when they measure brain waves with an EEG, right, an electroencephalograph, and that generates an electroencephalogram. Right? What we're looking for is the rate or the frequency. How often is this brain wave, this radio wave, vibrating? And if it's very slow, between about one and four cycles per second, this is called the delta range. And what somebody would know immediately if they saw a brain wave less than four cycles a second is that this person is either asleep or in a coma. They're somehow unconscious. So the subject could be in a room down the hall, and I don't even see the person. I just look at the brain wave trace, and I say, ah, Less than four cycles per second, that's delta. They're either asleep or in a coma. They're knocked out. Brain activity, but look how slow it is, right? If while I'm watching this individual, uh, watching their brain waves, let's say, they're still down the hall, I can't see them, and the brain waves suddenly begin to increase a little bit, and now they're like more than four cycles, but still less than seven then the researcher says, ah, this is the theta range. This is the second. Delta is like a fraction of one cycle per second up to about four. And then theta is four to seven. And now I know that this person is experiencing hypnagogic imagery. That means they're having a dream. Again, I, I may not know yet if they're in sleep or some 
coma induced by a trauma, physical or otherwise. I just know that this gentle increase in vibrational rate from less than four cycles to somewhere between four and seven, bringing them into this theta range, is evidence that there is increased brain activity, that they're having a dream, they're visualizing, they're imagining, there are pictures and maybe voices and sounds and, and emotional experiences going on in their brain, four to seven. Now, the next category above that is eight to 12 or so. All right, this is the third range. And this, eight to 12 cycles, say 10 cycles plus or minus, right? This is the celebrated alpha brainwave level. This was the last frequency to be found by the brain researchers. They initially found the next level, which is beta, and that's anything greater than 12 or 13 cycles. And it goes all the way up to the high 30s. And you can see the corollary here. If the lowest frequencies are sleep, then what would the highest frequencies be? What's high beta, the high 30s? Yeah, it's like completely overstimulated, like freaking out, a panic attack, uh, you know, the feeling of panic or impending doom, or if you've ever had an anxiety attack, uh, it's a horrible feeling because your body is convinced and your mind is telling you you're in great danger, but the problem is you can't identify it. You can't put your finger on it. You just feel terrified, but you don't know why. This is one of the really amazing conditions that is descending upon our culture is increasingly people are experiencing their stress, not just as nervousness, but as borderline panic and a feeling of pending doom. It's like something horrible is about to happen. You just can't remember what it is. Like, I, <laughs> I feel like... Uh, maybe I'm dying and I forgot that I'm dying or something. It's a very strange, again, it's just the brain's trying to protect you from danger. So those beta waves, anything from, oh, 13 cycles all the way up to the high 30s to as high as 40 cycles per second, that beta is awake, wide awake, stimulated, overstimulated, and the more stimulus and the more anxiety and the more confusion it sort of gets into a vicious cycle and a feedback loop, and they go higher and higher. And then the researchers discovered the sleep and the dreams, the delta and theta. The last brainwave they found were the ones in the middle, so to speak, the alpha brainwaves uh, from like 8 to 12 cycles, 10 cycles. They, they found that last because most people don't know about it. So between awake and asleep, there is a state of focused attention. If you're asleep, you have no attention at all, right? You're unconscious. What happened? I don't know. You're, I was asleep. I missed it. Okay. If you're awake, you've got six or eight thoughts in your head at the same time. And the more stimulated you are and the more anxiety that we feel, the, the more easily distracted we become. And now there's even more thoughts and more confusion. So... Here's the secret of Alpha, in the middle. Between asleep and wide awake is what Steve calls narrow awake. Steve, I want you to come in here and, and add to this. This narrow awake is 
focus part of focused passion. This is where it's like coherent consciousness. If you think of a laser beam as coherent light, where it's all so focused and so <clears throat> perfectly parallel that a, a laser beam shot at the moon still might spread only a quarter of an inch. You know, they're they're very parallel, very focused, and very and, and it's called coherent light. Well, that's what happens to the mind in this alpha place between wide awake and conscious of so many things that we can't focus and the sleep of the lower brain of these states. This in between, that's alpha, and that's where the magic is. Yeah, actually, it was first, <coughs> it was first discovered in geniuses, in, in prodigies, in, in people who had amazing talents, and they noticed when they did the EEGs on them what state they were in, and they noticed they were like in this fixated, in this focused alpha brainwave state. They noticed when people got into things that they loved to do, they just sort of fell into this brainwave state. The actual first I ever saw of, of alpha was when I was eight years old in 1960, uh, the Olympic Games in 1960 in Rome. Um, there was this guy from Russia, this weightlifter, Vasily Alexiev, who before he would lift, he'd close his eyes and roll his eyes up in his head. You could see the whites of his eyes. It's like he's in this trance state, and then he'd lift this amazing amount of weight. And I started reading about uh, how the Russians were using Alpha and then how the Americans followed suit very quickly. And then uh, by the next games, by the 64 games, dozens and dozens of countries were using the Alpha state. And it became a real fascination in my life. You call it hypnosis or meditation or biofeedback or neuro-linguistics or creative visualization. Michael once called it practical daydreaming. There's lots of wonderful names. But it's a state where the brain is awake but feels safe. See, the brain, the brain doesn't really like to feel safe. It's not its fallback position because it's in danger when it feels safe. It's sort of a contradiction. But if it feels safe, it's like not alert for danger out there. So it, it's the most paranoid of us that survived. So, you know, like our ancestors are the ones that were most cautious, most of, like making sure there was no danger around. So, because the world used to be really, really dangerous. So, so now we have this habit, this tendency, this automatic pilot thing to be in a, making sure there's no danger. The only time we're awake and we don't feel in danger, then our mind stops looking out there and has an opportunity to just sort of look in here and, and it, it gets to its natural state when it feels safe, this, this alpha brainwave state. And, and what happens is measurable. I mean, physiologically, on a physical level, muscular tension dissipates. On an, on an emotional level, anxiety is alleviated. On a mental level, confusion is essentially eliminated. So you, 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 there's a difference. And the higher self comes through, and the voice that feels safe comes through. Because the higher self never feels anything but safe, because it knows that if it's danger's real, the autopilot will kick in, the fight or flight will kick in. It knows that. So it knows everything besides real danger isn't dangerous to it. And so if you're wondering, if you're in alpha, if you're wondering if, if you're in the state, notice, see if you're tense, see if you're anxious, see if you're confused, or see if that's gone away. And then also see, is the voice that's coming through sound like love instead of fear? See, the big problem that we have is that the depending on which model you use, a brain model, a mind model, or we just talk about the innate intelligence of the body. The brain, the subconscious mind, the body is wired to look for danger. 
And if we, or if whenever we become confused, anxious, nervous, stressed, overstimulated, overwhelmed, the brain, or the subconscious mind, or the body, if you will, assumes there must be some physical danger in that confusion, in that anxiety. And if there is, then this automatic response, fight or flight, is a good thing, right? And you either fight or you run like crazy or fight and then run, all right? And uh, as Steve pointed out, we're the survivors. We, <laughs> we, we are the offspring of women and men who are really good at getting scared easy, and, and they were the first ones to fight or the first ones to run. But even though we're often told what a dangerous world this is and how much uh, how, how how right you are to be terrified at all the time all the time the truth is we're not in that much danger the truth is we're safer than we've ever been the truth is the biggest dangers we expose ourselves to deliberately de deliberately the biggest dangers in our lives are driving down the freeway or smoking cigarettes, or eating fast food, um, not taking care of ourselves. The greatest dangers we face are self-imposed, and yet we've inherited this tendency to, anytime we're confused, believe, well, there's a great potential for physical danger here, and we get this reaction that, raises our blood pressure, that increases our pulse, that enhances our respiration, that boosts our strength, in the short term anyway. But what do we lose? What's the trade-off? Well, we lose insight. We lose understanding. We lose reasoning. We lose creativity. All the higher brain functions are lost in this situation. So, here we are at the beginning of the 21st century now, fairly safe, relatively speaking, very, very safe. What we have to do is substitute a relaxation response for a fight-or-flight response. We need to consciously intervene and reassure that brain, that subconscious, that body innate intelligence. Hey, I know I'm confused, but there's no danger here. I know I'm stressed. But there's no danger here. And I need to breathe and relax and find this alpha brainwave place between awake and asleep to get the focus that gives me the higher brain function. Because fight or flight is not a good place to make important management decisions about your life. I mean, especially when we are descended from people whose decision was kill first, ask questions later. I mean, the, the essential, you know, like, like, don't take the chance that you could be wrong. Like, error on the side of survival. So don't be compassionate. Don't be empathetic. Don't understand. Don't uh, try and placate or be nice. Like, hurt first, you know, because the people who kicked first or ran first or hurt first were the ones that survived. If you still think that hit first and, and ask questions later is the way to make it in this world, then I suggest you need more than the podcast. Yes. It's got to be ask questions first. And, 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 like, if you have to run, run, run after you've asked some questions, you know. It's, it's got to be a relaxation response substituted for a knee-jerk response. Or as my favorite Michael Benner quote, a, 
a well uh, a well reasoned even tempered even tempered well reasoned response. There you go. I, I need to quote uh, Michael. Even tempered well reasoned response. That that's what we need to do. And how do you do that? Well, the way to do that, I think Eckhart Tolle said it in these words: one slow, conscious, deep breath. That's all it takes to get to alpha. With the emphasis being the word conscious. One slow coming, you're paying attention to the breath while you're having it. That means you're only thinking about one thing. If you take one slow, like I, I'm taking a breath in now, I'm noticing it's coming into my lungs, I'm noticing it. You do that, and you leave beta, you leave stress, and you instantly feel safe. Because your brain thinks, wait a minute, if I can be paying attention to the fact that I'm taking a slow breath here, I can't possibly be in danger. My autopilot would have kicked in. I would have moved into fight or flight if I was in real danger. If I can slow down and, and take this breath, then I must be safe. And that's the key for the brain. It, it comes down to a very primitive principle. Breathing is good. Not breathing is bad. <laughs> so we're saying the brain is hardwired to believe that you should always fear Danger, hate the enemy, fear of the enemy, that's built in, that's hardwired. Well, we have these wise prophets and spiritual masters who come along, and they say, you know, it's really better for you and everybody else if you learn to love your enemy. Well, 2,000 years later, people who say they believe that still struggle with it. You know, I don't even love people who don't like me, you might say, um, let alone people that I really dislike or hate or let alone people I fear. You want me to love people I fear? I, can't, I don't even love people I don't like, you see. What does that even mean to love your enemy? It means give them food instead of bombs. I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to, like, bring them into your bed with you. <laughs> it means treat them with, like, dignity and respect of being human. Give them food. If you want to turn your enemy into your friend, what's more likely to do it, a bomb or food, you know? Yeah, stop frightening them. Stop scaring the enemy. Just because you're scared, stop frightening yourself, and then stop frightening other people. And then the higher brain function kicks in and we can aspire to be the spiritual beings that we truly are and indeed is this not central to the meaning and purpose of life for us to evolve from animals to human beings and that's the difference between beta and alpha because beta is our animal brain taking over and alpha is our human brain allowed to finally feel safe enough to come forward the human brain is is clear that if it's not a safe place, it's going to stay in the background and let the animal brain, the one that's strong and fast, the right. fight or flight brain, it's going to let that one take over because survival trumps self-improvement. Survival right. trumps everything. But if it feels safe, then it can, like, come out of its cocoon. It can, like, emerge, and, and it can take over. So, so the difference is when you are asleep, you feel safe. When you are dreaming, you either feel safe or not safe. When you're in alpha, you feel safe. When you're in beta, you feel not safe. So it's one way of telling. One slow, conscious, deep breath, and as we like to say, use that to find yourself in paradise. Find yourself in a place that feels safe, that you imagine would be safe if you were there, a picture in your mind or a, a uh, thought process that you're, you feel like you're laying on the beach or floating in outer space or in, in your childhood uh, bedroom. It, it doesn't really matter where or how or who. It just matters that it's a place that you get comfortable and warm and fuzzy with, you know, it's, it's an amazing place that you create inside your mind, and it's all about feeling safe. 
Harry Potter's broom closet under the stairs. It works. I mean, everywhere else in the house he was being attacked. That was the one place he can close the door. Uh, Brian Wilson in the early days of the Beach Boys had a song called In My Room, you know. There's a world where I can go and I won't be afraid in my room. You know, if this is your, in your mental room, in your little place inside, and it's telling your brain that, yes, there's a war going on in the outside world, and yes, there's danger and kidnapping and stuff, but you know what? It's not, it's not in my world right now. Right now, right now, which is the only time there is, I'm safe. And if I'm breathing deeply, it knows that. If I'm breathing shallowly or holding my breath, it thinks I'm not. If I'm breathing deeply, it thinks I am. So I breathe deeply, and I move into the alpha state. Now, another aspect of this that I want to touch on, though briefly now, and in the future we'll expand upon because it really deserves its own class, is the mental model, not the brain model, but the mind model of what happens when we access and learn to dwell on demand in the alpha brainwave state. The brain model is that blood flow and electrical activity goes from the limbic system in the middle of the brain, the animal brain, where everything is either or, fight or flight, about survival, to the cerebral cortex or neocortex, the outer part of the brain, where the higher brain functions are, okay, such as reasoning, uh, intuition, creativity, empathy, compassion, forgiveness, those kinds of things are not accessible, as you know, <laughs> when we're stressed out and nervous and anxious. But the mind model Maybe even more fascinating, at least Steve and I find it even more fascinating because it has applications. And that's the idea that the mind is like an iceberg and the part that's conscious that wakes up in the morning and then lives throughout the day aware and then falls asleep at night is just the tip of the iceberg. It may be less than 10% of our potential. I mean... We've probably all heard it said in our lives, you only use 10% of your mind. problem is we don't really know for sure what's in the other 90%. And it turns out that perhaps we're being rather generous here. It could be that as stress and anxiety levels increase, we're only using 5% of what's available or 3% or 2%. I've seen people so frightened they're not using their brain at all, you see. So in the mental model, what we need to think of is moving into alpha, whether that practice is called meditation, self-hypnosis, biofeedback, progressive muscular relaxation, or a dozen other different techniques from yoga or martial arts or accelerated learning. When you breathe and relax, it's as, it's, it's as if the filter or the barrier that cut us off from the subconscious mind begins to open. And now we get conscious access to the other 90 or 95%. And what's in there? Wow, qualities of insight and understanding that are mind-blowing, that are often reported as light, a eureka phenomena of being thunderstruck and suddenly hit by light that illumines the whole interior landscape of your mind and you suddenly see that which was already there but 
you just hadn't seen before the coming of this light. Or another common archetype would be the, the light bulb comes on inside your head. You remember Ford has a better idea. Click, and they turn the little light bulb on. Or at least the dawning. We all know the feeling of, wait a minute here, hold on. Whoa, I'm starting to, holy cow. And here comes the light as the dawning, slowly, gradual, but a dawning. Uh, mystics uh, often say, there's a famous saying in, in German mysticism, mehr Licht, mehr Licht, uh, a call for more light that I could see enlightenment oh the bigger picture Stephen I call it another German word is gestalt all right the whole enchilada we would say in, in Southern California and so if somebody says well why would you want to do that what is this alpha thing that you do this meditation or self-hypnosis why would you want to do that well the answer is to gain access to the other 90 percent of my mind or my brain that I'm not using. The higher brain function, the more evolved aspect of mentality. I mean, why would I want to do it? Well, so I could have access to my memory, my emotions, my intuition and creativity. I'd have access to conceptual understanding of the big picture. And I'd have access to my entire nervous system. I mean, my... my blood flow and my heartbeat and my I mean I have access to everything else speed healing control pain everything else see understand that the conscious mind which you know may only be a few percent maybe up to 10 or 12 percent but it's still only whatever you're seeing hearing smelling feeling tasting touching and thinking right now right now everything else is subconscious mind so the subconscious is so much so much bigger and by Closing the mind away from the outside world and the potential dangers and feeling safe, then what happens is we can move into, as we open that filter we talked about, some people call it the reticular activating formation or the reticular activating system. It's like it's not steady state. The higher the brainwave activity, the tighter the filter closes, like the web of a spider, and the lower the brainwave activity, the more it unravels and opens up and gives access both ways. And once it opens up, then the voice of the higher self can come through, through the subconscious mind, which you could call the heart mind. I mean, the conscious could be the brain mind, and the subconscious could be the heart mind, the thinking mind, and the feeling mind. All of a sudden, we have access to our emotions and, and our whole so our, the whole nature of who we really, really are, not the, not the thoughts we're having. See, when we're in the conscious mind, we think we're just the thoughts we're having, but once we get into that subconscious place, we understand that we are not the thoughts we're having. We're the thinker of the thoughts, the feeler of the feelings, the, the possessor of the body, but not the body. Once, once we can detach, not become disassociated, we know it's us, but, but we realize it's not running us, that we're the observer, that we can be the orchestrator, conductor, choreographer of it all, that place, from feeling safe, that place is the alpha brainwave state, and that place is where we can do so much once we've connected with the subconscious mind. What we can do is the three things Michael and I have devoted our lives to do. We can grow, we can become successful, and we can feel fulfilled. Yeah, beyond success is fulfillment. So that's our introduction to the alpha brainwave state and to the consequences of learning to find this balance point. Um, it's sort of like a teeter-totter. You know, the fulcrum's right in the middle on a teeter-totter. 
but we're talking about moving it a little to the left and a little to the right, you know, the way you would use a fulcrum with a lever. You have to find a balance, but it's not only it, it, it's not always on the 50-yard line between awake and asleep. You need to balance. We all need to learn to feel safe enough to find the balance between being in the world and focused on our physical senses and sensations, and then balance or blend that with the introspection or reflection that gives us access to higher brain functions or, from a spiritual point of view, our divine essence. This is where the best of us comes out. This is where we know ourselves. <laughs> we know the truth of the of ourselves, the capital S, capital E, capital L, capital F self, that when it's not frightened is kind and generous and loving and, and humble and, and forgiving, that is harmonious and unitive and love-based and life-affirming. And yet, you know, we're still choosing leaders in government and in corporations and in media who are trying to use fear to frighten us, to divide us and separate us. And so this whole revolution of spirit can happen inside your mind and inside your heart. That's the place that we need to find that balance, that we need to find that blend. As the Sufis used to say, and probably still do, to be in the world but not of the world and that's the balance that's the difficulty and every day it's a little different the fulcrum has to be moved around you have to fine tune what does it mean today in this hour in this moment in this breath to be a physical being in the world having to pay my bills and make some income and deal with this and deal with that but not be so of the world that we have forgotten how to breathe, relax, feel safe, and access our spiritual nature, our divine, our divinity, the best that we can be, uh, starting with the most practical applications of creativity and intuition and understanding. And so an alpha state is re really easy to achieve, and we're there every single day. Understand whenever you're watching your favorite show on television, mm -hmm. that's the alpha state. Uh, even better, when you're closing your eyes and listening to your favorite love song, that's certainly the alpha state. And so is putting on your iPod and listening to Michael and I do our, our work together. See, that's the key. We are teaching alpha not only by intellectually discussing the brainwave stuff, but also as you listen to this, you're there. You're, you're, you're not, you know, multitasking. You're not thinking about, I mean, once in a while maybe, but the vast majority of the time you're listening to us talk about this stuff and, and in the podcast even more so because it's really more compelling conversation. Uh, you're in Alpha, and so we're teaching Alpha through Alpha. Right. And people get to hook into, oh, this is what it feels like. This, this is the state. My body feels safe. I'm breathing deep. My, my relaxation is cool and, and my anxiety levels real low, and, and I'm not confused at all. This makes perfect sense to me. That's alpha. That's the state. And in that state, you can learn to do, you know, two really, really wonderful things. You can learn to let go of the things in the past that are holding you back, and you can turn to the things in the future that you really, really want to achieve, and you can do them both from the place of power, which is called right now. 
If you're doing something else right now while you're listening to us, you're in beta. If you're doing just one other thing, washing the dishes, Unless it's totally on autopilot. If you're doing something that you're not even thinking about at all, then you can do more than one thing. But if you're that's paying good. attention to something else besides right. this, that's definitely more. If your attention is divided yes. Yes. to two or more things, then we know you're in beta. And the more divided and the more scattered your attention, then the more likely you do the the brain and mind is to want to scatter it even more. Because you're really not paying attention to the two or more things. You're going back and forth, back and forth, back and right. forth between the things. One that's thing at a time. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So your machine gun shoots a lot of bullets, but only one at a time. If, when you listen, for example, to this program right now, you don't do anything but listen. And further, you even closed your eyes. That reduces brain activity by about 86% right there. And then if you took a breath and said to the body, you know, I'm really safe. I just want to listen to Michael and Steve right now. Bang, that's it. You're an alpha. You'll feel it in your body. You know the difference. It's warm and fuzzy and, and content and you feel safe and good. It's, it's a wonder we're so resistant to it. The only reason we're resistant to coming here is we've got this ego, this persona nature, that's in charge of the separate part of us surviving. And so it keeps wanting to drag us back to fear. So if we go to the bills or if we go to the war for a moment, all it takes to come back to Alpha is one slow, conscious, deep breath, and then pay attention to what we're saying again, and then you're back. It, it's, it's no harm in leaving for a moment. That doesn't mean you're out of the state. It's all over. It's like Alpha and Beta can coexist. The secret is where you spend most of your time when you're doing the things that matter. You know, there's a, there's a place for beta. There's a place for doing a whole bunch of things when they're inconsequential. But there's no place for doing things that are consequential at the same time as doing things that are inconsequential because your performance degrades when you do more than one thing at a time. If it matters, it matters that you give it your all. And alpha can be best described simply. It's the state where you give it your all. There you go. All right, let's uh, go to our questions and comments. Again, if you're listening live today, it's December 28th of 2008, our last Mystery School webinar for this year. And uh, you can't obviously leave a question if uh, you're listening in the future to a replay, but if you're with us live and you're not on the phone but on the web, use that submission box at the bottom of the page the very bottom, put your name and the city where you are so we get a sense of who you are and that you're out there. It's always fun. And then just above that, you see a place where you can put a question or a comment, and we'll go over those now. And then in a few minutes, we'll do our uh, alpha exercise of the day today. We want to say hi to some folks. So, uh, First of all, uh, we have a fellow named Richard in a city I've never seen. If this is a city, it's... Uh, uh, that's the last name, isn't it? With a dash in the middle? Well, maybe that that's city? it. Maybe that's, that's the last thing. compound name. Um, anyway, Richard, wherever you happen to be, uh, nice to hear from you. His questions was submitted before the webinar began. You can do that, too. And he wants to know, is capitalism and greed uh, finally ending? And uh, how are we headed toward a more just and free humanity knowing that we are all one. Well, I would say yes to the to the uh, second part and um, a uh, qualified yes to the first part. Uh, I think that uh, 
greedy capitalism. I, I, I don't think all capitalism has to be greedy, but I also don't think capitalism is the same thing as free enterprise. Another discussion for another day. Uh, so we don't want free enterprise to end, and entrepreneurship need not end. Greedy capitalism, monopoly capitalism, the kind of uh, competition that seeks to destroy and eliminate rather than cooperate um, and create mutual benefits. Yeah, it's dying because it doesn't work. It contains, uh, well, I don't know if I want to quote Marx or not, but he was certainly right when he said it contains the seeds of its own destruction, but then communism did too, didn't it? Contain the seeds of its own destruction. It's inevitable when a system gets corrupt that it fall apart. And a lot of us said that back in the 60s when there was talk of revolution, real revolution. And we said, you don't need to oppose this. It's going to fall apart. And Soviet Union fell apart, and now Western Capitalism, as, as, as we know, it is indeed falling apart. It's cannibalizing itself. I mean, there's no honor among robber barons. The, the oil guys sort of put it to the auto industry and airline industry, you know. Imagine those guys. They, they're getting paid tens of millions of dollars a year, but they're losing everything in spite of it. And uh, you'd think that the auto industry and the airline industry would turn to their fellow robber barons in the oil industry and say, hey, help us out, you're destroying us, but it's out of control. And uh, capitalists are cannibalizing each other. The whole thing is far too corrupt to be redeemed. What will come out of it? Socialism? No, not because that's been corrupted also. So what will come out of it will be a synthesis sort of like Hegel's dialectic, right? What comes out of it is a, uh, oh, wow, look at that. There's a beautiful egret walking around in my yard. Do you see that egret down there, Stephen? Yeah, I do. Isn't that beautiful? Snowy white egret. Yeah. Or cattle birds, as we call them. Is that what they're called? Yeah. They come into the yard and they stay here. It's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful big bird. Those are the ones that I, I watch every morning flying by, by my house and back. Oh, is yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. So anyway, I think, yeah, all of that's ending, and are we headed toward a more just and free humanity, uh, knowing that we're all one, to use your words, Richard, yes. Um, not as quickly as I would like to we're see, not, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yes. Thank you for that. Took <laughs> the words right off my tongue. Ian Roseby, uh, Albert Garcia is with us again this week. He says, hello, friends. Uh, this is Albert, and uh, he just wants to check in and say, hey, thank you for that. Also with us, uh, Carol Pastel. And uh, he says hello again, Michael and Steve. She always acknowledges Doreen, so I'll be sure and tell Doreen you called. And uh, Carol, thank you for that. In the Antelope Valley, Brian says, a Happy New Year. And he said, yeah, you did sound like Roy of Hollywood. He's going to help me find a better better opening than uh, ripping off Roy, although Roy wouldn't mind. You know, I did Roy's show a couple of weeks ago. went real well. If any of you would like to hear it, I'll uh, send me an email and say, uh, and ask me for that 30-minute interview that I did with Roy a couple of weeks ago about Focus Passion, and I can attach it. It's small enough. Uh, we have a little podcast trick about reducing the sample rate and the bit rate, and I can attach it to an email and send it back to you. It's not posted anyplace, but if you're a big Roy Hollywood fan and you'd like to hear the interview, 
just send an email to me, mb at theagelesswisdom.com, and I'll fire it off to you. Or you can always write to me at info at focusedpassion.com and uh, reach me that way as, as well. Info at focusedpassion.com. Ask me for the Royal Hollywood uh, audio. I'll attach an MP3 to it and mail it back to you. Robert in Irvine is with us again. Robert Fiegel says, Aloha, Michael. Here's to a new year and new beginnings for all of us. And Mother Earth, peace. Thank you for that. In Hollywood, Florida, Carolina is with us again this week. She says, very interested about brainwaves and would like to get all the information I can in order to grow in the subject. Well, you've come to exactly the right place. We want to be sure you know about the Focused Passion site and the premium audio that comes out of uh, Focused Passion in addition to this class. Because this whole thing, you know, this Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, is a free public service of FocusedPassion.com. But that's where you go to become a contributor and to, as Carol said this morning, fix your friends. Yeah, a contributor sounds like like I got to have a ton of money though. But you know, we're talking about like as little as ninety nine cents a week. Well, the real and, contribution and is sending the program to other exactly, people. Exactly, that's not the main. The main contribution is is the opportunity you have to fix your friends. You know, the, like like the world the world needs fixing. Yeah, I need a little, but you know, really, my friends, the people I love, they're the ones that need the most fixing. So so again, this is all about helping other people. You know, by giving them what they need. Because yeah. I know I'm okay. I'm just that, not so sure about you. That's right. I'm okay. <laughs> you're maybe not. So, so like, I, I, I know that Michael and I have done the, the, the synthesis here. We've, we've, like, distilled the essence of self-improvement down to, a, like, you know, podcasts, just these, these programs. Now, what you need to do is, like, take a look at these 50 topics and say, okay, now, I know this person needs this one because they don't have the – they don't. They aren't going out and finding what they need. So you can be the one that can find what they need and give them exactly what they need. You can prescribe this essentially. You know, in our friendship, you you've got this this uh, spouse that's really challenging you. It's because you really don't understand reflective communication well enough. And just listen to this. Forty-five minutes. Listen to this, and you'll be able to talk with your wife or your husband in a much better way and there won't be so much fighting or arguing or you know your kids falling behind in school and it's simply because they're they're just not knowing how to study their mind wanders listen to this program send this program to them listen to this program with your kid and they'll know how to get better grades and and have more fun in school i mean that's what it's about change the world by helping other people uh learn alpha it's all about learning alpha and applying it to everything else in your life we say changing the world really does begin with you but what we mean by that is it begins with you listening to these programs and using the tools and sharing with other people. Sharing and caring is fundamental to human nature. Can I say that again? Could it, if we were live, could I get an amen to that? Sharing and caring. Let me reverse it. Caring and sharing is fundamental to human nature. We are not complete if we cut ourselves off from caring about other people. And as Paul Simon said, the thought that life could be better is woven indelibly into our hearts and our brains. So caring and sharing about our life getting better and our, our loved ones' lives getting better, right. that's, that's there. It's just inherent. Us. This is about helping everybody do that. Right. Also in uh, Tucson, Arizona, Lorelai's with us uh, again today. I don't think Lorelai's missed one of these in the last year. She says, Aloha, Michael and Steve. Wonderful show. 
great way to end the year and take into the new. Thanks for everything you guys do and being who you are. You provide the true lifeboat every time I need it. Happy New Year. Wow, that's a wonderful compliment. Thank you. Yeah. Glad we float your boat. The lifeboat. Um, all right, let's then, we're just about at the top of the hour. This, our timing is good then. Let's do a guided imagery exercise. In fact, Steve, will you join me in that too? I'd be happy to. We'll do one of our famous uh, two-person uh, visualization exercises here. And we'll install what we have uh, discussed here this morning, this whole idea that there is a place between awake and asleep where you can feel safe and relaxed, where sort of like training a puppy to sit and stay with love and attention and affection and kindness, you can, in a similar sense, train yourself, manage yourself. Self-management, not too many people use that term, but Steve and I like it a lot. To manage, first of all, your sense of self, who you are, not simply that separated ego character or role that we play to please other people, all right? but what's true and good and beautiful about ourselves, to get real, to be up front, to be honest, to be genuine, that's available to us. So that's where the management begins. Which self are you? Like the one that did the bad thing or the one that feels bad about having done it, right? You are the latter. <laughs> you're, the, you're the one that has the capacity to know you shouldn't have done that. So stop beating yourself up for doing it and allow yourself to be the one that's contrite and apologetic and forgive yourself. Then, from managing sense of self, self-management goes to thoughts, managing feelings, managing your behavior and your physical health, and your relationships out into the world. So it's sort of like five parts to it. Managing yourself, managing your thoughts, managing your feelings, managing your behavior and your health, and managing your relationships. That's easy to remember, isn't it? So here's how to do it. Provided it's a good and appropriate time for you, take a slow breath and relax. Get comfortable. You want to sit up straight. Put your shoulders back. Open up your chest and take another, a second or a third. Nice, slow, deep breath. And close your eyes. And now you're beginning to train yourself. You're beginning this self-management. You're saying, yeah, I've been sort of stressed. Even this morning, Sunday morning, a little worried, a little stressed out, not on my mind. But uh, look at this breathing. Uh, you see, body, brain, self, autopilot, I'm really safe. See, the, see my breathing and my eyes are closed. And now... As you allow your breathing to find a, a natural rhythm, let your body just sort of breathe itself. You also feel the letting go of muscular tension. That's three kinds of self-management, three messages to your autopilot self. 
that my slow breathing, my closed eyes, my ability and willingness to release muscular tension proves that I'm safe. And you find yourself in alpha. And here, what becomes clear is you want to feel nice. So you find yourself not only just in alpha, but in alpha in your own paradise. A special place, perfect peace, where you can always go and always release the tension, anxiety, and confusion, and fear. One deep breath, and you can be here. One deep breath, and you can be here. And here, here, here is what is. Here is now. Here is bliss. And bliss is, this is, and this is, is the is that is. So anytime you take a deep breath, you can feel free of the suffering and free of the fear, free of the past. The future's not here. One deep breath in paradise, and you can feel safe and free. And you can be here now. And you can just be. That's focused passion. And you can recreate it any time you choose, because with one deep breath, this is the place your mind will return. It knows the tool to use. It can go here. Just let go of the fear. One deep breath, it all becomes clear. You find yourself in paradise. This is the alpha state that you create. And as you do, you find a sense of focus and a sense of passion very present in your mind. You know exactly what you want, or you can imagine that it's true. You can ask yourself, what do I want? Or you can make what you want come true for you. You can do what you choose in this alpha state. So much you can create, but it comes with deciding. You take that one deep breath. Once or twice, and then to find yourself in paradise. All the things that we can do best in this level of mind could be divided into two categories, really. One is to sit receptive, to reflect, to watch, to stand open to contemplate, to see what precipitates down when you sit this quietly and this open, and watching those six or seven ideas become four at a time, and then two, and then that dialogue becomes not only harmonious, but even unified. So. You can contemplate. You can just sit and watch. Another category of things to do, however, is to visualize goals and solutions and desired outcomes and to rehearse in your mind a solution or a goal. Remembering that goals are more about direction than destination. It's just designed to get you going. And to give yourself, in this way, permission to dream, 
of great things, of a world that works, and your contribution to that world. And so all of the different techniques or tools or skills that are available to us in this level of mind could be divided into those two categories. And yet, I want to offer you a particular technique this week, something very simple. A meditation technique that hundreds of thousands of people on this planet do every single day. And at any given moment of any day, thousands and thousands and thousands of women and men all around the world are doing this. And that's watching the breath. They come to this place, as we have done, by closing their eyes, taking a few slow, deep breaths initially, and then allowing the breath to fall to a normal rhythm. They feel a letting go or release, an unclutching or detachment from physical attention. And then gently place your attention, do this now, on the very bottom of your nose. Unless due to a cold or a stuffy nose, you have to breathe through your mouth. But otherwise, close your mouth if you're not already nose breathing and let that gentle rhythm of breath attract your attention at the very bottom of the nose, at the very point where this life-giving breath enters and leaves the body, as if you existed as a little spark of awareness on that ridge line of cartilage between the nostrils and your job right there at the portal is to simply watch the ebb and flow of the breath. In the same way, you would watch the waves roll in if we set up some beach chairs down on the shore. We could sit there for the longest time, entranced by the natural rhythm of the waves rolling in, crashing on the beach, and then watching the water drain back into the ocean, just as another wave rolls in over the top in this beautiful rhythm of ebb and flow, this yin and this yang. Everything has its breath, its rhythm. And you can watch yourself breathe with that same degree of fascination. Just simply watching. Tension. And whatever else comes in, it just passes through, you release. Just hold on to nothing but attention to the breath and the peace. The peace that you'll feel. And it's from this state that you make choices. It's from this state you listen to this set of voices. The ones that talk about love and feeling safe and success and growth, too. That those are the voices that come through for you. So you might get pictures, you might hear voices, you might just sort of feel what's right for you, but in this state, you pay attention. Because here's where you decide what to do. 
when you're stressed, when you're in beta, there's just too many choices. It's too difficult. You don't know which voice is the one that's really true. But in this state, in this state, you always do. Listen, and your truth, your higher self, which feels like love, will come through. It's really a beautiful concept to consider that any time, every time, we close our eyes, breathe, and relax, feel the letting go, the ideas that fall away are the ones that were not true. And the emotional turmoil that falls away are the feelings that are not true. Just a product of emotional turmoil. And what you're left with in this wonderfully natural alpha brainwave level. What remains are the thoughts and the feelings so gentle and so rock solid that what remains is true. Wouldn't it have been nice if somebody told us this a long time ago? That any time you're confused and don't know which thought to believe, you just relax and the nonsense falls away and what remains is where you go. And you don't need to believe me or trust me if you're willing to try it out. That which remains is what's real. And what a beautiful allegory for life itself. What remains when you let go, when you stop struggling with life? We'll all, we, we always have to assert ourselves. We want to set goals. We, we want to determine directions to bring meaning into our lives. But the struggle is what's necessary, unnecessary. Uh, we, can, we can turn this feeling that we're crawling and dragging ourselves, scraping and scratching and clawing through this minefield, we can instead stand up and dance. We can, we can waltz. We can more elegantly and gracefully move through life as witnesses, as the one who watches, as the awareness of self. And from that place, we perceive what is true, what is valid, what is real, and take those even-tempered, well-reasoned initiatives. Because we are not of this world, but we are in this world. And we have to straddle that fence. We have to be both. The individual in the world with particular gifts and talents and abilities unlike anybody else and at the same time a harmonious being that sees the unity the nexus in all things as we do in the environment for example its strength comes from diversity 
and unity. It's not diversity or unity. It's not the one or the many. It's not you or me. It's not us or them. Unless you're in beta. In alpha, it's you and me. It's just us. Working is diverse and unique individuals in harmony to create unity. Stand in the middle. Stand in the harmony and be the individual that is unified, you see. Stand in the middle with harmony, with love. That's what Alpha is. It's the middle between too awake, too scattered, and totally unconscious, asleep, and in a coma. Find that middle point. Move the fulcrum a little forward, a little back, a little left, a little right, a little up, a little down. Tune it in. Tune the instrument in alpha. And see if that doesn't bring meaning and purpose into your life. Make you much more effective and fulfilled. And these are feelings that you can bring with you effortlessly. As you Reorient yourself toward the sound of our voices now. Think about the room in which you sit. Take a nice, slow, deep breath, inhaling. Hold for a moment as you peek, and as you exhale, ah, open your eyes now. Wide awake and alert, back of the room, rested, refreshed, feeling fine. Gosh, it's a wonder that we ever resist going to this level of mind. Right? Account for that. I think it's hilarious. I have a greeting card I send out sometimes that says, uh, practice meditation, and it shows somebody on the cover meditating, and on the inside it says, beat sitting around doing nothing all day. I mean, what is the resistance to, okay, close your eyes, relax, feel peaceful and content, and imagine yourself in this beautiful place focused on solutions and goals and dreams. Oh, no, don't make me do that. I mean, the resistance comes from the ego that thinks you're better off always being frightened, and you're not. Where's the sense, reason, or logic in making decisions coming from a place where your ego and its need for survival is guaranteeing you can't do your best? Where's the logic in that? When you know with one slow, conscious, deep breath and letting go of all that other junk, you now have access to the ability to do your best. It just doesn't make any I mean, you can live your life 99% of the time stressed if you want, but when you're doing things that matter or when you're making decisions that count or when it really comes to crunch time, where's the sense in hoping that you're going to guess right when you do know? I mean, I mean, there's nowhere else in the world you can find the answer to the two questions that face you, which is, what do I want? And if I know what I want, the question is, how do I get it? Those are the two questions that really face you, and, and you're not going to find the answers to those outside of yourself. Only your big S-E-L-F knows the answers to those questions. Yeah, there's, of course, it, it begs, as Steve well knows, he's setting me up here for the bigger question, which is who is the I that does the one? I mean, when we don't have what we want, consider it's because you don't know what you want, Okay. And if you don't have what you want because you don't know what you want, she's right, those are the two big uh, issues in life. But the question that's begged here is, who, is, who am I? Who, who am I that I would 
want these things? Or who am I that I don't know what I want? And then suffer not having it and blame other people for the fact that I don't have what I want when we're not deciding what we want because we figure we can't have it anyway. I mean, we play out this victimness and this helplessness. And if you just work the program backwards in order to have what I want, to attain the goals and dreams and solutions, I have to decide upon them. I have to at least set a direction and a course. And in order to do that, I really need to know who I am. Alpha is the place to go, to know the self that has the ability to dream and then takes action on those dreams. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I know that if you know what you want, you don't have to wait till you get there to be happy. You get to be happy on the way on there. The way. So, so it doesn't really matter if you ever do get there because the the life is about the journey, not the destination. The purpose of a goal is not to achieve it. The purpose of a goal is not the destination. It's just the direction. You can change your mind. You can change the goal. But if you don't have a goal, as one of our great heroes, George Harrison, is fond of saying, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Any road will take you there. Yeah. Uh, the road by George's place is... Uh, Goat track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, George lived at the very end of the long and winding road. He certainly did. Well, listen, gang, that's about it. We want to, uh, again, invite you to use the Send One to a Friend gadget here at theagelesswisdom.com to share these classes, these mystery school webinars with your friends. Change the world by fixing other people there you go. <laughs> and yourself. And even more importantly, uh, join the main project here. The best stuff that uh, either of us are, are doing now and have ever done, we do together in compelling conversations and guided meditations at focusedpassion.com. The program is Finding Yourself in Paradise. And uh, for as little as 99 cents a week, and this is the majority of our contributors, 99 cents a week, you can always contribute more, but... That gives you the ability to share these wonderful programs with your friends. It supports this project, too. But more importantly, the Finding Yourself in Paradise audio program is a premium audio program. Steve and I do it together. This is the best stuff we've ever done. And you can share that with your friends for no charge at all if you're a contributor at 99 cents. You can forward unlimited programs as often as you want to as many people as you want spread the good news you can tell your friends about these programs but you can't tell them much what you have to say is you know you're just going to have to hear it let me send you one of these I think you'll really like it that's all we're asking you to do that doesn't cost you anything once you're a contributor so visit the site check it out if you haven't been there in a while I think you're going to be surprised and if you are already a contributor but you haven't picked up a password for the new site be sure and do that. Click on Access My Account. It's just below the banner at the top where all those navigation links are. Click on Access My Account, then Remember Password. Or once you get inside, you'll see a field that says Forgotten Password. And use either of those devices to get a new password emailed to you. That will come immediately. And then log in. Your username is your email address, the one you just used to get the new password. Okay, that's your username, the email address. Then enter that new password, and voila, you're on the site. You can listen streaming to all of the programs. You can send them. Again, the gadget says send one to a friend, but you can do that again and again and again as often as you want. 
and uh, you can even access your account now if your address changes or you want to use a different debit card or credit card or ATM card. You can do all of that right there on the site now. Okay, the big investment of time and energy and money and efforts, but uh, we think it's going to pay off in the long run because we have a couple of bottom lines. We have a very real financial bottom line we have to consider, but much more important is the bottom line that has to do with changing people. Maybe it's best called the top line. Our top line is to be of significance and make a difference, and we need your help and your support in doing that. So. Check it out at FocusPassion.com. Anybody you know who's got kids, send them the Family Learning Hour. Teach the kids how to read and study and take tests. I mean, this is a really, really important skill set that the school system has failed to teach our children. So anybody you know who's got kids, send them the Family Learning Hour. That's really how we change the world. Also, since uh, we did the uh, questions and comments just before our exercise here, uh, Roberto in Oceanside has checked in and uh, he says hi to Michael and Steve and says, so many compelling topics today. Good to be here. Well, thanks, Robert. We appreciate you being here from Oceanside, Lorelei in Tucson, and in Hollywood, Florida, Carolina. Uh, Robert in Irvine. We heard from Brian in the High Desert, Antelope Valley, Carol in La Habra, Albert in Rosemead, and Richard, we're not sure where you are, but uh, wherever you happen to be. Uh, thanks for joining us today. And everybody else that's online and all of the others who will be listening, this this is podcast, too. So um, there will be people from the future. Hello, from the past. <laughs> well, we're in the present. They may be in the future, but I'm not in the past. Now is all there is. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for being with us. And uh, as always, be gentle, love life, take care of each other. For Steve Snyder, this is Michael Benner. Aloha from Maui, and Happy New Year. So long.